Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Hello and welcome back to another season of Season Saviors. Uh, this is Season 2. I'm Ian Whitfield, joined here by Shane Riley. Shane, how are you doing today? Ian, I am very excited as we're get, jumping into Episode 1. Uh, we are Week 3 of the season, but... Um, never too late to start, I guess. No, it's never too late to start. Um, so we're actually changing up the format a little bit this year. We're actually going to start off with um, standouts throughout these first uh, couple of weeks, and then we're going to discuss how we can, if we can trust them, if we can't trust them, um, if they're worth like picking up in leagues. We're starting stuff like that, and then we're going to move on to bust. Um, people like Devonta Freeman and. Um, others like that that are not having the best season so far but are high draft picks and high caliber players and we're going to talk about if it's too late to throw or if it's too early to throw in the towel or other stuff like that lastly then we're going to go back to our old format we'll go with who to start who to sit and of course who to pick up off the waiver wire shane you ready to jump right in mate oh yeah i'd love to take the first topic all right so we're going to start off with the chiefs wide receiving course and i know that there's a lot of question marks kind of surrounding it with the uh, Tyree Kill going out for four to six weeks. Uh, what do you want to say? Well, I just want to start off with I think any receiver under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes is going is destined to shine in that week. Oh yeah, um, for sure. It just depends on which one it's going to be. Um, with Tyree Kill going down um, in in week two, we saw Demarcus Robinson and Nicole Hardman really really shine, but they only had six targets each. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey are still the go to guys in that Chiefs receiving. Yeah, court. I mean, I think Travis Kelsey is definitely obviously the no, Mahomes number one target there's no question about that in my mind I I'm almost I am more intrigued I don't know if you agree with this but I am more intrigued by Demarcus Robinson right now at this moment than I am than Sammy Watkins and it only ha- it only goes down to the fact that I just I personally like he was on the bills I've watched him for numerous years and because th- he was also on my team and stuff like that but he has never he's never been a good fantasy wideout. he doesn't really get volume and obviously, with the with Tyree Kill stepping out, he's going to be a capable wide receiver. But I think Demarcus Robinson actually has more appeal as of now. He's like the number, or what is it? Sorry, he put up three thirty five point two in week two, even though he only had one point in week one. He still has a twelve point three percent targeted on his route compared to Hardman, who's nine point four, and Kelsey's way above that, obviously. But I think I'm actually gonna have to disagree with you. I think I think Watkins is actually the uh, better receiver who got 13 targets in week two. Uh-huh. So I think he's gonna get and uh, to Demarcus Robinson's only six targets. So he mm-hmm. actually doubled his targets. So I think you know the more targets you get, the more catches you can get, and the more points you can put up in fantasy. Oh, I definitely I agree with that statement 100. I think it's just I don't know. I just I, Watkins scares me a little bit. He's injury prone. He's he's never really been a wide receiver one except for maybe his rookie season in Buffalo, if you want to, like, compare that. But I don't know. I just, like, kind of get scared about that, especially once they go up against some teams with more lockdown corners. Because, I mean, Jalen Ramsey in week one, but he's on Tyreek for most of the game, and then kind of helps out on uh, Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. But there's definitely a lot of question marks there, and it's definitely something that you want to keep an eye on, especially, I mean, like you said, Mahomes can make anyone a standout wide receiver in fantasy football. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Getting into our second guy, we're going to go with Terry McLaurin. If that's McLaurin, <laughs> I, I believe McLaurin. It. Um, 
this kid is Shane, my favorite fantasy wideout, like right now. Like, like no, I'm not saying like I would start him like over Julio or something like that, but I'm saying this kid has the potential to have a top 20 fantasy season at, at, at the moment. Nine targets in last week. He's getting red zone targets and he's averaging 20.4 fantasy points a game. Oh, yeah. He's looked really good. Um, he proved that he is the number one. He's the number one receiver mm-hmm. on an NFL team, which is always good from a receiver. Um, the guy getting the most targets on the field is a guy that you should consider starting and not one of those guys who just, you know, could have a game here or there. I think for him, he's going to be very consistent, you know, sitting that wide receiver two, maybe maybe a wide receiver three spot um, for most of the year, especially since the Redskins have a lot of quarterback questions mm-hmm. with Case Keenum not being the most consistent guy. And, you know, maybe Dwayne Haskins steps up later in the year. I actually, like, I wanted to actually talk about that. I think Dwayne Haskins coming in, like, there's so much, like, there's so many question marks around McLaurin, but they're all good like like it's question marks but it's all stuff like could this happen and will this like make him better because i don't think i really don't think he's going to digress from where he is and i don't think he's going to lose value maybe just slightly go down maybe a little bit but i mean how often are the redskins leading game shane oh not not often. <laughs> like all, like they're gonna have to be playing catch up the entire time um obviously yeah keenum's gonna keenum already has a connection with him and if the redskins go hey we are two in i don't know four two and mm-hmm. five to start this year Let's scratch the season. Let's get Haskins in. Let's make him our starter. Let's get him used to the NFL. And they're both coming from Ohio State. And they're both coming from Ohio State. Exactly. And he's almost kind of like a Michael, like a Michael Thomas type. Like he's kind of under the radar coming from Ohio State, and he's almost like kind of like a same player. Yeah, but I think for next week uh, he might be a reach because he is facing Chicago. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. He he might take a step back. Yeah, I actually have him. I I traded for him in one of my friend leagues. last week and i'm starting him at my wide receiver too but i think i might do jamison crowder instead shane i know this is a player you were very excited about having him on in our friend league um you had him picked up off the waiver wire and i know you were actually hesitating you were actually trying to build a trade bait with him but marquise brown super exciting super electric through the first two weeks what do you have well, it was a little concerning that in week one, he only he was only on the field for 12 snaps, um, but he actually piled up 13 targets in week two, so he had more targets than he did in week two than he did have snaps in week one. Um, he also piled up eight catches, showing he's more than just a home run receiver and that guy who can just catch that deep bomb for, you know, 80-plus 80, 80 yards and a touchdown. So I think him showing that he is Lamar Jackson's go-to guy in an in, in offense that is now actually throwing the ball, mm-hmm. um, which is completely opposite of what last year was when Lamar Jackson was actually that running back that people were saying he was. Yeah, this Ravens team is actually looking really good. And I don't know, have you, have you watched them at all through like the first two weeks or just kind of like seen like some plays? Thrown? Lamar Jackson has looked like a much better passer. He's looked really good, like confident in the pocket. Like last year, he faced a little, like the pocket slightly collapsed. This man's scrambling like... He, and he's like, all right, I'm going 30 yards upfield. Like, I'm just going to start, like, rushing. This year, he's actually standing in the pocket, taking it like a NFL quarterback. Not to mention the fact his elite, elite athleticism is also giving him points. This Marquise Brown is kind of like another hype player that he has. So they always saw, they have, like, that little connection right there. But he had 13 targets, like you mentioned, in week two. So the home run, like, the fear that he's only a home run player is out the window at this point because he had a, a massive he has a massive target share Shane he's being targeted on 45% of his routes half the time they pass the ball and he runs a route he's getting the ball thrown to him that is insane that is unheard of yeah I think he's up 10 up 10 targets in this than the closest than the next closest receiver that I mean but that that's the thing who else do the Ravens have to throw to 
Willie, Willie Sneed. Sneed. <laughs> like, Willie Sneed, maybe, if you want to say Mark Andrews, but I think Mark Andrews is just having, like, the first two games of his career right now. Like, he's I think, just having I think a he's playing time with Hayden Hurst, too. He is. He end. is. Yeah, he actually lost a touchdown to him uh, last week. But still, so, okay, you're up against Mark Andrews. You're Marquise Brown. Like, the Ravens are going to get Marquise Brown the ball. Like, I don't think, I think there's potential for him to be a top 25 play, just like McLaurin yeah. by the end of the season. They've already they've already showed a connection between Lamar Jackson and and Marquise Brown. Yeah, 100%. Sticking with the Ravens, um, you know, we actually kind of mentioned him a little bit before, but let's get right into Lamar Jackson. Uh, um, yeah. He's elite, and I think that kind of goes without saying at this point. Um, number one fantasy quarterback. There was a lot of hype from, like, Matthew Berry, other analysts saying, like, as a running quarterback that can, in an offense that they think was going to be kind of staggering, I guess is the way to say it. They thought that he would be a, like one of the only bright spots. Like they didn't have any hopes for Mark Ingram or anything either. But this kid is here to play. 120 rushing yards week week two, Shane. Two passing TDs also to go along with 270 yards. Exactly, and zero. I can't emphasize this enough. Zero turnovers for the entire season so far. Yes, he's played the Dolphins and Cardinals, but that's gonna like that doesn't make a huge difference. But last year, Lamar Jackson struggled with his interceptions. So now he's actually getting maximum point potential instead of, so say he puts up those 30, but hey, he has three interceptions or two interceptions and two fumbles because he's carrying so much and he's not secure or something like that. Instead of putting up 20 20 to 22, he's putting up his full 30 now. Yeah, he's definitely uh, really maximized the amount of points he can get um, each week. Expect him actually to continue his production in the next week because he is up against Kansas City and most of their games tend to be more of a shootout. Even though um, they did put a big defensive stand, it will be Oakland. interesting to see though in this matchup because he's actually going to have to throw the ball to keep pace. He won't have to. He won't be able to throw the ball in the first quarter and then say, "Hey, let me run out like against the Dolphins or Cardinals." You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely think that he's kind of gotten away from that comparison that some people kind of say that he was similar to an RG three that he's just going to be that guy who's going to come in and run. He can. He can he can be, throw if he needs yeah, to. Be successful yeah. in the league for the for like one or two years. Like similar to what happened to RG three, where he started having to read defenses and started throwing interceptions. That's not the case for Lamar Jackson. I believe he's figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, a, uh, him, Patrick Mahomes, and Dak Prescott, I think, are the future uh, of fantasy football. Really, I do. I think that once Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Um, I think that these those three are actually going to be three really solid quarterbacks going forward to I, take over the league. Yeah, I really agree with that. Like the game is changing, as you mentioned. Like if you look at fantasy football, what five years ago, you're not looking at re- running backs getting these receptions, or even like maybe a little bit longer. But still, you don't look at running backs getting receptions like this out of the backfield, really stuff like that. Talking about quarterbacks putting up massive points with their legs. So I actually agree with that statement. That's very true. Didn't really think about that, but. Heading into our final um, standout of the uh, past two weeks here, Shane, Austin Eckler. Uh, Melvin Gordon, as I'm sure everyone knows, is out with um, contract issues. He's still sitting out. and But I think until Gordon comes back, Shane, he's a top five running back every single week. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon, it's similar to like what the what we thought with like the Steelers when James Conner was coming in and we mm-hmm. thought maybe Le'Veon was going to come back. So, I mean, I think... Melvin Gordon's case is a little different because he needs to report because he has to get that free agency, that year of free agency, to get closer to leaving the Chargers. Um, so I think he, he will be back. Yeah, yeah, Melvin Gordon is going to come back. But Austin Eckler looking really good. He got 23 touches against the Lions mm-hmm. in Week Two. 
um, showing that his week one was just not a fluke. He, as well, had six receptions in each of the first two weeks, which is fantastic for PPR. Yeah. That's that's six points right there, and that's, that's not yeah. even including yards, and he also has, I think, three touchdowns for the first two weeks. Um, I think he's m- taken more of the rollover from Justin Jackson as that well. Was, yeah, definitely about to say that. It, it, Justin Jackson really hasn't become a factor. I actually put in waiver claims for Justin Jackson in multiple leagues because I thought, hey, maybe Austin Eckler's going to be kind of like a Tariq Cohen kind of play here. Maybe the Chargers go, because Justin Jackson had a great preseason. I thought maybe the Chargers would hit him with a, hey, Justin Jackson, you're going to take our first, second down carries, and then our third down back will be Eckler with some passing and stuff like that. And I thought maybe it'd be a split, but as you mentioned, there's been no splitting. Like, Justin Jackson is getting, what, five carries a game, six carries, something like that? Maybe seven. Maybe seven. Like, some, like some single-digit, mid-tier level carries, which is nothing to productive for fantasy football at all. At all. But as you mentioned, the six receptions in both games, double-digit carries in both games. So his production is out of the, uh, out of the roof, especially in an offense that really hasn't been that good this year so far. I, I mean, mean Keenan Allen's been good. Phillip Rivers has been fine. But they're, they're really turning to Eckler to turn it on. And everything is kind of going through him right now because he is an electric he's, – he's electric. And there's he is igniting um, fantasy teams. Like he's literally as a flex or even as a team that would have taken him as a bench running back, he's putting up 30 points for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that offense still has a lot of potential as well, though. I mean, they got Mike Williams. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they're gonna they're gonna be one of the. I teams actually that, don't like Mike Williams that much. That's just me, though. I think they're a team that could eventually start putting up thirty points a week. I mean, I think the ten points that they put up against the Lions is just just a really bad week for them as mm-hmm. a team, and I do not ex- expect to see that from them going forward. Um, you know, now we're gonna switch sides. We're actually gonna do people who have underperformed, and these are our busts. I'm actually gonna give this one to you, Shane, because I know you have James Washington on a couple teams. I know you took him in our friend league too. So right here, James Washington, what do you got for him? You know, he's been very disappointing through the first two weeks. Only two catches for 23 yards um, in week two and only four catches overall for the entire year, which is, you know, not what you expect for him. Uh, A guy that I think had a lot of potential, but he was battling it out with Dante Moncrief through the first two weeks. I don't see that being much of a battle anymore, especially since Dante Moncrief has had five drops for the first two That's weeks. absurd. That's how you're going to lose your job. And he got, he got one target in week two, and it was a drop that turned into an interception. <laughs> um, so I don't think da- Dante Moncrief is too much of a um, problem for James Washington anymore. Not to mention, he now adds his college quarterback. Uh, Mason Rudolph will be under center for the Pittsburgh Steelers now that Ben Roethlisberger is going down. Um, two guys that have been were successful for years at Oklahoma State. Yeah, uh, I actually went to Florida. Uh, I was in Florida for a soccer tournament, and they had a they. I think oh, what was it? Virginia the Tech. The camping, yeah, the camping bowl bowl. Virginia Tech versus Oklahoma State. Yeah, exactly. And um, I went to that game, and I just kept seeing this small, like five seven wide receiver just doing these quick cuts right up the middle, and the man torched the Virginia Tech defense. And Mason Rudolph looked amazing in that game, and I'm actually really excited for Mason Rudolph, and I think he's going to help James Washington's production a lot. With that said, I think there's going to be a lot of effects coming along with James Washington coming in. I think Vance McDonald's production as a tight end is going to come up with Mason Rudolph coming in as he's going to want a secure option in the middle. I think Juju is obviously going to drop. I think he's going to be extremely – his his uh, value is going to plummet. Yeah, he's going to be scared to go against the number one exactly, cornerback. He's going to be scared to go against the number one corner. And I think Washington against a number two cornerback, I think he's going to turn heads. And I think his, his route running ability – He can come out of the slot too. He can come out of the slot. He can – you can put him on a fly route. I, I'm really excited about this kid, and I know you have him in a couple leagues, and I would not be discouraged at all by the total four catches in these two weeks. I think it's going to be a guy that you could actually buy low from another from someone else. Oh, yeah. 
you know, you, someone who you're like, oh, just throw this guy into the trade. I think um, that's definitely something that you could get from someone else, and he could be a flex, maybe wide receiver three. There's a lot of really good players, or sleeper players slash mediocre players that are that have the ability to turn it on here as we turn the corner, as the season's actually kind of getting underway now, two weeks in, the dust is kind of off, the rust is off, the season's starting to turn around. There's a lot of players that you can look to do that with and definitely see if you can get maybe scoop James Washington. Oh yeah. But heading into now, the Philadelphia Eagles running backs, I know there's so many question marks regarding this, Shane. Basically going off the fact Miles Sanders and James Howard, or Miles Sanders put up 5.6 fantasy points per game, Jordan Howard's at 5.7. This is in PPR also. So, what do you got? You know, neither Miles Sanders or James, or Jordan Howard, excuse me, uh, averaged more than three yards per carry, yards per, per carry in week two, um, and Darren Sproles is just in for passing downs. Exactly. Um, their snap count is actually very, very spread out between the three of them. Sanders led the snap count in 35, Sproles 28, and Howard with 15. Um, in my opinion, none of these running backs are worth a start, um, at least as of right now, unless one of them is able to... Um, put themselves ahead of the other two. I think the only one with the potential to actually do that would be Miles Sanders. I 100% agree with you. But Or, you know, maybe Sproles could get a start in a PPR league where, you know, someone he's out of the backfield. Start, yeah. yeah, like you have no one else. Sanders is electric, and I think he has the potential to be a good fantasy running back, but there is zero consistency. There is zero volume, and both running backs, both those running backs in Jordan and Sanders don't get any catches, like you said, with Darren mm-hmm. Sproles. So at 3.2 yards per carry, they're both under 3.2 yards per carry and no receptions. And neither, you got to remember, a big thing with fantasy is touchdowns. These guys aren't sniffing the end zone. Like, they're, they're not even close. All these weeks, not a single Eagles running back has a touchdown. Well, I think in week two, I, I you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, they were down both Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun yeah. Jackson, so the Falcons could really load up on the you know their guys in the box and stop the running game, which they were able to do that. Um, but I think you know even with that said, they're just there's just not enough snaps for one running back for me to feel confident in starting them because you know in most leagues you only have two running back spots or or you know maybe a flex, but you could always find a receiver that could fill in better than what these guys are doing. Yeah. The, uh, there is no way I'm trusting a Philadelphia running back, especially in this committee. And they've shown that in past years. You can't trust a Philadelphia running back. Everyone was super excited when Jay Ajayi um, got traded there. Uh, what was that, last year? Two years, Two years ago. ago. Yeah, we were in history. I remember when that happened. Um, it, you, you can't trust that at all. But heading into our next topic here, Shane, you want to start us off? Yeah, we're getting into um, O.J. Howard, who didn't even have a target in week two, which I don't know what happened there. But I'll let you go ahead and leave that off. Yeah, I'm I'm not ready to be super concerned over OJ Howard yet. I think it's I don't know. I'm I'm a big OJ Howard fan personally. He's he's established in past years a good connection with Jameis Winston. He's an elite athlete. He's got great size and great wide receiving ability. So that's everything you look for in a tight end for in fantasy. An elite ath- an elite athlete, which is like Darren Waller on the Oakland Raiders, who's kind of popped onto the scene too. He played but here's the number that is making me so okay with him having two bad weeks so far. Mm-hmm. He played 60 snaps in week two. That is not, that's like a number where, what's his name? Cameron Br- Brait, the backup for um, Tampa Bay, played 12. So it's not like he's losing tar- or losing field time or anything. He's still a great athlete with the wide receiving that I mentioned. I, I'm trusting the snap count 
and I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet on O.J. Howard. Yeah, I wouldn't give up on him either. Um, that Panthers linebacking core does a pretty good job in coverage. Yeah. Obviously, they have Luke Keekley on that defense. That's insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, maybe you want to stay away from him. Maybe it just wasn't in the game plan to throw to O.J. Howard in this game. A lot of questions, but I'm a little concerned that he didn't even receive a target. Like, you think maybe mm-hmm. at some point they'd have a play for him. Um, I don't think he's going to be lost in the offense. I, I don't think Mike Williams had a good, a very good game either. I think it was um, Godwin. I think, I think Godwin. Yeah, he. I think he put up about twenty four ish. Yeah, I think he had a touchdown. So um, I don't know if I trust the Bucks offense, but I wouldn't give up on OJ Howard. You know, I, like I you don't. Said. Like I said, I don't. Actually, I don't trust the Bucks offense either. Mike Evans is struggling James right now. James Winston turns the ball the, over too James, much. Yeah, as a fantasy quarterback, James Winston is not terrible because he can still put up eighteen. So if you need like a Waiver wire, start. yeah, spot start. But the only person in the offense I'm trusting is Godwin. And other than that, for now, I would not trust a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Yeah. Getting into our next guy, we got um, Devontae Freeman of the Atlanta Falcons. I've uh, – it pains me to say because Devontae Freeman is a guy I've had on fantasy teams for – I'm trying to see. That was eighth grade where he was the waiver wire pickup. So I guess three years, four years now, he's been... I've had him on fantasy teams all four years. I actually didn't get him this year in any of my leagues, which I guess works out. But it kind of pains me to say I'm throwing in the towel on Devonta Freeman. I I think it's time to give up. He's 19, he's 19 rushes this season, 41 yards. That is absolutely terrible. That's 2.16 yards per carry. Yeah, and last week he had 11 rushes for 22 yards. That's... Terrible. You can't you can't be a productive fantasy running back, especially when Devonta Freeman has no catching out of the backfield appeal. He is a worse off. He is a feature back, which still gives him some kind of potential. But I mean, Ido Smith is still hopping into the game and taking some volume. He only had 16 more snaps than Ido yeah. Smith. And their O line is is I, okay. Actually, before I go into the O line. The Vikings, they were playing the Vikings and Eagles, which is where some people are like, hey, cut the guy some slack. The Eagles have one of, if not the best rush defense in the NFL. And the Vikings have one of, if not the best rush defense in the NFL. Like, you can interchange those two, mm-hmm. honestly. So, maybe besides the Bears. The Bears have the best. I take that back. Yeah. Sorry. But, like, a top four rushing defense, and that's two back-to-back weeks. But their O-line is banged up. They have injuries all over their O-line, so you don't have any... Their rush defense, they're not... They have the eighth worst ranked um, yard, like yard contact before, mm-hmm. like yard total, mm-hmm. in the NFL right now. And he heads to week three with so many concerns around him. I don't trust him though. If I'm a Falcons, or sorry, if I'm a Devonta Freeman owner in a fantasy league, I'm not starting him. Yeah, I, I'm a little. I would be very concerned because um, Edo Smith actually outrushed him in week two. And uh, he only had four carries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and Edo Smith, I think, also has that promise of that, that Tevin Coleman um, type of player. I, te- he's obviously no longer with the Falcons anymore. But Edo Smith, oh, I think he's gotten more receptions out of the backfield than, uh, than that of Devontae Freeman. So he has more PPR potential than Devontae Freeman. So uh, people who spent high on him, I'd maybe try to trade him as soon as you can. I would trade him when you still have value in him. And I would not be discouraged if... What you're getting is not what you want in return because I think if you can trade him now and just get even something that you think, hey, Devonta Freeman isn't worth this, I think by the end of the season you'll be like, I made a very good call because I'm not, I'm not convinced that Devonta Freeman is a 
elite fantasy running back option anymore. It flexed at the best as of right now. But heading into our final player now, Maryland product Stefan Diggs. Very concerning that Diggs only had one catch in the entire game. But keeping in mind, this is this is the only bright spot. He did have um, seven targets in that week, which is a little. Which I I think actually that concerns me a little more. Really, um, Kirk Cousins threw the ball thirty two times and he completed it fourteen. That's yeah, true. Um, fortunately for Diggs, though, it was a 49-yard touchdown. was his one catch. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so maybe fantasy owners are kind of looking at him going, oh, you know, maybe he's maybe he's going to turn it around or something like that. But his fantasy points doesn't show actually how the performance went. Yeah. I can't say it's I don't his fault. I'm sorry. I don't know his, how many if he dropped any or anything like that. But I'm just – I'm very worried about Kirk Cousins because Diggs is not the number one target. He's going to shadow Adam Thielen because Thielen gets the short yards – more targets than Diggs. Mm-hmm. I think I think he only out-targeted him by one this time, but overall throughout the season, Diggs is the guy who's going to get the 100 catches. Or, no, sorry, Thielen's going to be the guy who gets the 100 catches, and that's not going to be Diggs. It's going to be hard, though, for both of these wide receivers to be productive in an offense where Dalvin Cook is the centerpiece. Their offensive line is actually playing very well right now, which is polar opposite of what they did last season. And Dalvin Cook is, as of right now, a, the, in my opinion, the best fantasy running back. And he's the guy that if I could go back and do it over again, I would draft him so much higher than where he was drafted, obviously, because he's turning it on. He's going north of 25 almost every game at this point, and the Vikings are turning to him early and often. Diggs, they're they're such a running offense. Absolutely. They threw the ball 12 12 times times in week one. Exactly. And and if if you're the coach of the Vikings, how comfortable are you in 14 to 32? And like, they, he only threw the ball 32 times because they fell behind. They th- and they fell behind, exactly. They did play catch-up. And the Vikings' defense is a pretty stage, st- or pretty solid defense, so it's not like they're going to be having to play that much catch-up or having to be in that many shootouts. So Diggs is also wide receiver, too, as you mentioned, behind Thielen, and he's not a volume guy. He's a almost boomer bust, as we kind of saw with how he was touchdown dependent, and you cannot rely on touchdown dependency when you're looking at the wide receiver position. Absolutely. And and Kyle Rudolph on the team needs to be forgotten because Oh, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he's out of the fantasy picture at this point. Don't even don't even bother <laughs> putting it on your team. Now we're going to get into who to start for week 3. Actually back to the old format now. Um Shane, I'm going to start say start David Montgomery, running back for Chicago Bears. Um he was one of the players I was most excited about heading into the season. I spent high on him in some leagues, maybe actually drafted him earlier than I should have and people were questioning me saying are you really taking this risk and then week one hit man had five points and everyone's like ah you messed up it's another um Royce Freeman situation here and it's kind of where I spent high on Royce Freeman saying this guy's gonna be a feature back in in Denver and I was concerned but last week he showed and followed up with um sorry um their coach said David Montgomery is our guy before the season. Didn't do it in week one. Concerned. Head to week two. 18 rushing attempts, 62 yards, and a touchdown, along with one reception as well. So the one reception in both weeks, obviously, it's not that much, but it's something, right? It's, but Tariq Cohen's in the backfield as well. Tariq Cohen is not even a wide – is not even a running back at this point. He actually – he has not lined up as a running back once this season so far. He has lined up as a slot wide receiver every time he's on the field. So that, he, that actually helps David Montgomery as now the backfield is less crowded – so it's just him and Mike Davis, and Mike Davis did nothing in week two after being a workhorse in week one. So obviously there's still a little question mark saying, hey, they're going to go back to Mike Davis, but he's a bell cow at this point. 
And I'm super excited as they face off against a Washington team who give, who's given up 168 rushing yards per season, per game so far this season. And with Montgomery being the running, the running, running back, like he's taking the rushes, I think he has fantasy appeal to go north of 100 yards. Oh, it's actually funny you mentioned that. Um, I'm going with a receiver on that team. Ah, really? I don't have much trust in the Redskins defense, if we're going to be honest. I'm going to go with Allen Robinson. So banged up. Um, You know, going up against a Redskins defense that has actually struggled a bit against the passing game. You know, the Cowboys threw for a respectable 270 yards, but three touchdowns through the air. And that's Um, Dak Prescott. Yeah. And, you know, people have said that, you know, Robinson's going to have to line up against Josh Norman, but this is a guy who has not been been himself since he left Carolina. Yeah, so actually we're going to turn to our do-not-starts now, Shane. And I'm going to go with oh, – actually, I'm going to go Carryon Johnson for this one. Carryon Johnson is a guy that I was so high on in the first two weeks, high on throughout the entire season. I love this guy. I love feature backs. Obviously, everyone does. But this guy had so much potential, and he hasn't really shown it so far. Yes, he put up 16 points last week, but it was it was um, rescued by a – 30-some yard touchdown reception. So right there on that play, three points, touchdown nine, reception 10. 10 points on that one play. We don't If we don't have that, we're looking at six points. So it, there's touchdown dependency, and he didn't really did nothing in week one as he put up eight. So I'm kind. there's some question marks regarding him that I'm still scared about. He's only averaging 3.2 yards per carry, and Philly is only allowing, only allowing 42 and a half rushing yards per game so far. So, and he's not to mention C.J. Anderson is also getting some carries mixed in there. So I am concerned as he faces off against this Eagles really stout rush defense. The only um, saving could be the fa- would be receptions, but he only has four through the first two games. So I don't know how it doesn't really look like uh, Matthew Stafford is turning to him in the passing game. It's mainly um, Kenny Galladay. Um, I'm blanking Hawkinson and Marvin Jones. So I would say do not start carry on Johnson against the Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to go right back to that Bears-Redskins game. Actually, a sit I have is, um, you know, the guy we previously mentioned, Terry McLaurin. Really? Uh, you know, he's going up with Chicago's Bears defense that is arguably the best defense in the NFL. I wouldn't even say arguably. I would give it to them. You know, they held Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to 10 points in Week 1 and the Broncos to 14 points in Week 2. So I don't see there being that likely of a chance that he gets a touchdown. I mean, obviously it's uh, possibility, but um, you know they're they're secondary with Kyle Fuller. Um, I think he's going to be up against him most of the game, and I think the Redskins are actually going to fall behind and they're going to be forced to pass, which you think would be a positive. But I just don't know how much I trust Case Keenum uh, to be able to throw for a lot of times in the game. Obviously, he's going to be the number one target, but maybe they go away from him. Maybe because that secondary is is very good. Uh, uh, it's paired a lead. up. It's a lead. Paired up that Case Keenum's going to be running away from Khalil Mack and uh, <laughs> Leonard Floyd for most of that game. That is such a stout defense. It's actually insane to think about. But finally heading into our waiver wire pickup, Shane, I'm going to go with Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, my man. Um, he showed solid, He's shown solid fantasy play in his last season and into this season. There were some questions last year with his throwing because he did turn the ball over a lot, which was kind of what we mentioned with Lamar Jackson the feeling that he might lose some points based off that. But he's improved his throwing this season that he's shown. And what he really, really has an appeal with is his rushing attempts. 17 rushing attempts through two games, 59 yards, and two touchdowns. He is getting rushing touchdowns as a quarterback like it's no one's business. Like, 
almost every week, there is a very good chance he's finding the end zone with his feet, which is, keep in mind, more points. An extra two points. An extra two points right there. And rushing yards, every 10 is a point, instead of 25 for one point. So he actually, he's, he's not bad with the arm. He's your average, maybe below average, depending on the matchups, because he, he's up against the Giants and Jets in the first two weeks, so it's kind of easy matchups. And now he takes the Bengals, which is not e- as easy, but still easy. Very, very similar. Very similar. And so they're, they're still, it's, it'll be interesting to see how he ends up handling when he comes up against a better defense, but his rushing potential mixed in with a average or below average arm is still good enough for 17 plus points a game. So if you're looking for a spot start or if you were stuck with a Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, or a struggling quarterback, Cam Newton, I'd say give Allen a pickup, only owning 30% of ESPN leagues. Yeah, especially since Cam Newton has now has a foot injury of some sort. Yeah, so there's a lot of question marks surrounding him. Uh, my guy is actually going to be John Ross. Um, I know he's not much of a like a sleeper on the waiver wire as much, but he's still only owned in 65% of leagues. Um, if you can get him in your league, absolutely take him. He's totaled 20 targets, 11 catches, 270 yards, and three touchdowns in his first two weeks. Um, this, this goes without saying A.J. Green is not there. But he holds tremendous value until A.J. Green returns. Which and A.J. Green still has a lot of question marks yeah, surrounding him. There's no him. timetable for him. They really just yeah. don't know. He hasn't had a full practice yet, so I doubt he's coming back this week. So if you could get John Ross and, you know, if someone else also wants him, maybe you could potentially trade him. Or, you know, even starting him is a great thing, too. And he's not a home run player right now. He's actually getting a lot of targets. But averaged 10 targets for the first, for a week in the first two weeks. That's, that's really good. Um, thank you for listening to the first episode of Season Savior Season 2. We will be back next week with Episode 2. Uh, thank you and good luck.